I want to talk to you about a strange subject. It makes all other pandemics and stuff child's play. It's the great plague of our own times. There's no human cure. There's no ebbs or flows with it. Only it increases. And that is hatred. I want to talk today about haters. Isn't that a wonderful story in New Jersey? 14-year-old girl beat up by a bunch of other kids, videoed, video shown everywhere. That wasn't enough. They then started to bully her online. That child, that 14-year-old, then committed suicide. After weeks of being bullied, now the principal maybe of the school, I read, he just resigned. And they don't know what to do because, the oh, the largest cause of death among 12 to 18-year-olds, suicide. Not COVID, suicide. Why? Because their tender little minds and hearts can't take the hate that is dealt out now in heavy doses in our culture. We live in a culture of hatred. We live in a country dominated by hatred, racial hatred, political hatred. You disagree with me, I hate you. That's all. It can be personal hatred. It can be grievances that are kept going forever. It can be silent. It can be quiet hatred where you just seethe, but you hate that person. Remember the Bible, as we're going to find out, just talks about love. And if it's not love, it's some other form of hatred. Or it can be loud. What's the most toxic thing in this world? Not some factory. Social media, where people are attacked, savaged, on purpose, by people sometimes who go to church. But hatred is acted out, not just in murder. I'm going to cancel that person, ruin their reputation. I am going to destroy them. Why? Because that satisfies the hatred that I have inside of me. The word hatred in the Bible means to detest, to oppose, even to persecute. And it's from the Greek rendering of it, it really comes from this thought. It's the opinion that someone is evil in our definition, and thus our hatred is justified. Hey, you disagree with me? I read you did this. You have a different political position. You're a different race, different color. I don't like the way you look. I don't like the way you act. You once hurt me. Whatever it is, you are evil, and that justifies my hatred. I'm allowed to hate you because you are evil. If God is love, then what would Satan be? Hatred. So people who have been injected in church, ministers, politicians, whatever, they've been injected with a long needle that has lots of hatred in it. We live, uh, I noticed when I was down there with the singers and spoke at that ba uh, breakfast, talking to people on both sides of the aisle, Republican and Democrat, they were all publicly and privately saying, we've never had more division and hatred than we have now, because it used to be you could talk to disagree with someone on a policy and then go out to eat. No mas, no mas, no, no. You're the enemy, I hate you, I'm justified in my hatred, and I'll try to convert people to hate you. I'll ridicule you, I'll mock you, I'll do whatever I can. Thus, our egos justifies our hatred 
because we have defined that person as evil or below us in some way. What really sets off hatred, and you can tell who you hate in case you're undecided, is when they succeed or are blessed, you can't stand it. Mm -mm. Why her? Yet if you love someone and they're blessed, like these children, you think if these children grow up and are blessed and someone gives them a million dollars, you think the mother and father will go, why you? No, they'll be happy. Why? They love them. Love always rejoices when another person is advanced or blessed. But hatred is like, I don't know. Life's not fair, really. That's how you can tell who you love or hate. No, let's be real. I'm preaching this for myself again. We live in a culture dominated by hate. White hate, black hate, Latino hate, hate. And political, conservative, Republican, liberal, Democrat. Are you kidding? People go to church and pretend they're Christians are some of the biggest haters I've ever run into. Oh, absolutely. Don't, don't laugh like I'm telling a joke. You could take that to the bank. So we're going to delve into this and find out how God looks at it. Well, let's start with a, a fairly familiar verse in Proverbs. This tells us about hate and who's a hater in this room. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. Wherever there's conflict, there's hate. There's hate between the Ukrainians and the Russians, right? There's hate, and it's a conflict. Hate stirs up conflicts. It can be in your family. It can be a squabble with, with a, a distant relative. Hate gets in, injected by Satan, who's, the, who's hate personified, and then the next thing you know, you have conflict. You have people not talking to each other. You have people trying to cancel the other person, spread bad things about their, uh, their name. But love covers over where they know something's wrong. Love goes, no, yeah, he might have done that, but that's not your business, really. I want to cover that. I want to protect him. Love always protects. But when you want to expose it, and I have a right because I'm a crusader for the truth. No, you're a hater, and that's the guy's disguise that you use. Denominations hate each other. I read a guy that has had an impact on my life, although no one knows his name, but I read stuff by him. Uh, and he once said, after, you know, 60, 70 years experience in the ministries, he said, jealousy and hatred is so bad among preachers sometimes. He says, I know some preachers who hate the other preacher more than they hate the devil. Why? Because he has a larger church. He draws more people. Hatred. It stirs up strife. And this is Paul's testimony, the Apostle Paul. He knew where it was at, and Paul didn't pull punches. Paul knew how the game was played. And remember, he was religious. Religious people sometimes hate the most, not secular people who are messing with weed or fentanyl. He said about before he was converted, at one time, we, notice we, first person plural, including him, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice. Malice is hatred in a, in a solid form. And envy, being hated and hating one another. So that's how we lived. 
We hated people, they hated us back, and that's the way life was. The Pharisees hated the Sadducees, the Sadducees hated the Pharisees. They made sometimes joint appearances, but it was only temporary. The root was hate. Why? Because you're different. Xenophobia, you know what that means. That means fear or hatred of that which is other. You're from another country. It's not like my island. You come from another island in the Caribbean. You're not as good as my island. Are you kidding? That is brought in with the mother's milk. I've been in countries where provinces are taught growing up to hate each other. I was in Peru decades ago visiting, and there was a rally in the street, and someone was speaking about all the Ecuadorians are going to come in and rape our girls and our children, and all of that stirring up hate against the Ecuadorians, because it's in the school. They teach hatred. Oh, of course schools teach hatred. Jesus was hated. If you're hated by somebody, don't get you know, upset about it. We'll talk about how to deal with people who hate you because Jesus was perfect and he was hated so much he ended up on a cross. You probably know some people now who hate you. The, the important thing is not to be hating them back as we're going to learn. So in case any, I know a little bit about hate. So in case any of you admire me or think highly of me in, in some way, let me tell you where I'm really at so I can put that admiration to rest what I really am apart from Christ so I was all city basketball player here at the best high school in New York called Erasmus Hall High School just saying and uh, I had skipped a grade and the schools that recruited me college to play basketball wanted me to get a year older so that I'd be playing against not people older than me but my own level they decided it was best where I was going to go to put me in a prep school in Silver Spring, Maryland. It's still there now. Bullis Prep School. And I went to that prep school. It was amazing because here were guys from around the country in a big, big old four-story, big, big thing. And you all ate together. You had to, it was semi-military. You had to wear a blazer with a tie, gray pants, and you had to study at night under observation and no saluting in uniforms, but it was a far cry from this wise guy kid from Brooklyn. I had no discipline. It was maybe the first two weeks in school. Basketball practice hadn't begun and we had recruited. That school had some basketball players. That, that team I played on was maybe one of my favorite teams I ever played on guys from all over the country who were getting ready to go into the schools that had recruited them. I mean talent. These guys could ball. I was in a room, these tiny rooms, and there were four or five of us, you know, talking and just hanging out, chilling. And, and one guy from Kentucky, about six foot three, he, we were talking, and it was an all-white students. He made a remark, a racial remark, about black people. So... I had grown up, fortunately, I was blessed. My mom and dad, I never had word, heard one racial word ever in my house. And I grew up in the park on, on Parkside Avenue, Winthrop Street, between Bedford and Rogers. And where I grew up, the question was not what color you are, but can you play? If you can play, you're my man. If you can, I don't care what color you are. So I said to him, well, that's stupid. He said, what'd you say? I said... What part of that sentence didn't you understand? I said, that was stupid. Really? Yeah. 
And you must be very stupid to say it. That's who I was then. He said, oh yeah, you gonna back that up? I unwisely said, yeah, I'll back it up. <laughs> so we went at it. I hated him. I tried to get close to him to hit him hard. I hit him a few shots, but he was long. He was six foot three in his arms and he had done some boxing. And I was more of a Brooklyn playground. You know the way we fight in Brooklyn? It's like, what you got? Let me see what you got. You got nothing. Come on, come on, come on. Hey, oh. So I was doing all of that. And he was just like, and I mean, he was blooding me. Finally, they pulled him off of me, uh, my friends who played basketball. And I hated him. I know his name. I'm not going to say it because he might be watching right now and that probably wouldn't work out well for me. I'm telling you the truth as God is listening to me. So I began to hate him. He beat me up pretty bad, not the first or the last time. So we would see each other. Obviously, we're in a school. We eat in the same dining hall, but no talk, just silent hate. I hated him. He hated me. That's the way it's going to be. Basketball practice begins. I told you the team was really good. And uh, he tried out for the basketball team. He made the team, but he was a scrub. He was the eighth or ninth guy, a substitute who would come in. He could really leap strong. It was hard being on the same team with someone you hate. But I had friends I liked, and we had a great team. So the backcourt guy, who was my best friend, I think I missaid his name then. It's all those years ago. His name was George. He was from the Bronx, Irish Catholic kid, could really play. And he and I made a good backcourt tandem together. And it was getting near the end of the year. Still had two games left, maybe a couple weeks of practice. And we're having a practice one day. I can see myself now. I can see him at the gym. I can see the light coming in through the windows, the, the, the large windows. And we're playing, and my friend George drives down the lane and trying to go in for a floater. And this guy from Kentucky who was on the second team, some wore these little red tops on, and we had blue so that we knew who we were with. And he comes in and overly zealous, tries to block my friend's shot, but tries to hurt him too. And he was all elbows and he elbows my friend in the nose and breaks his nose. And my friend goes down, blood is coming all over, his nose is all sideways. So now I hate him more. We drag my friend George off the court. I can see myself leaning over him because he was, I, I loved him. We were, we were tight. And he's bleeding and they're calling for medical assistance and practice stops. And I look over, I meant, man, George, I'm sorry. And he said, Jimmy, get him for me. <laughs> get him for me. And my hate went into overdrive. I said, I will get him for you. But how? <laughs> This was the problem. But I knew what to do. I'd grown up in the park, in the playground. 
So we got back to playing. He was playing on the other. I could see myself doing this right now. He was on the other team, as I told you, the other practice squad. And I came down the point guard, and I waited a couple minutes so it wouldn't be obvious, and I had to get him to relax and not be suspicious. And I came down, and I called a play where one of our big guys, who he was guarding, would come out. And I came over here, and I crossed over, and I bumped my man off on my teammate, who was setting what's called a pick. And I went off, and who switched on to me but Mr. Kentucky? which is exactly what I wanted. So I then told everyone to get out of the way, and I'm dribbling, and I make a sudden move to the left, I see it, right near the baseline. And I knew that if I faked a shot, he was gonna jump out of the gym because he was so full of venom, because he hated me like I hated him. And nothing better for him to do than block my shot. So I went to the baseline, and. Use your head, your eyes, and the ball. I went like I was going to shoot, and he jumped up like out of the gym. He jumped up, and the minute he left his feet, I put the ball. I didn't care about the ball or scoring. I just put it, and I dove and took his feet out from him so that up in the air, <laughs> he's coming down. Should I quit the ministry now, or is it too late? <laughs> And he comes down and separates his shoulder in two places. And he lets out a scream. And I loved it. <laughs> I told you, I hated him. And when you hate, you like to see the other person suffer. Oh, you didn't know that? Oh, you're all angels? Oh, I'm sorry. And he's rolling and writhing. And everyone knew what happened and what I did. And he's just curled up. I can see him just like this. And everyone races to him. And I walk over and I stand over him. And I said, the Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> no. I said, that's what you get for hurting my friend George. And he looked up at me. I'm telling you a story. God is listening. He said, when I get better, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and I, had a, I couldn't back down at that point. And I went, yeah, whatever. So practice ended. They took him off to a hospital. They had to do that. And now I hated him more. He hated me. My, my, my guys on my team, they had my back. Season ended. He didn't play anymore. And we all ate, and he had this big contraption on his shoulder, his arm. He really was messed up. I took it out, and when he went flying like a cartwheel and came down right on his shoulder and elbow and whatever. But as the weeks went by, season ended, what he was wearing started to get smaller and lighter because he was healing. This was a major problem in my life at that time. <laughs> so, as I saw that happening, I, my mother's with the Lord, but she would tell you, I called her. 
My dad was out of it drinking. I said, Mom, I feel it's like it's a good time to come home from school right now. <laughs> she said, why, why? The, the, the year's not over. I said, Mom, they sent me here to bone up on my academics. I have the basketball season's over and school recruiting me. They, they're, they're good to go. And I want to be with you, Mom. <laughs> and taste your home cooking. And I got out of Dodge just in time. I hated him. That's who I am apart from Christ. Who are you? Hatred stirs up conflict. The injection comes from Satan himself. And that's why Jesus was so revolutionary when he taught this. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. What does he mean there, you have heard? He's quoting from the Old Testament. In Exodus, Leviticus, and also in Deuteronomy, there's three verses giving instruction for the, the laws of Israel, which was, if you do something and you take out someone's eye, by accident or on purpose, they take out your eye. You fracture their arm, they fracture your arm. God gave these laws. That's why you never read the Old Testament without meshing it with the New Testament because there's commands in there and laws of no eating pork and all kinds of things. I read it just the other day. They were not allowed to wear garments made of two different fabrics. That has nothing to do with us. But God gave it. So whenever you read something, you say, wait a minute, is this in the teaching of Jesus? Is this in the New Testament? No, it's not. So then it's not for me. But it was fracture for fracture, eye for an eye. You knocked out someone's tooth, get ready. They're going to go pop. You lose your tooth. He said, but I tell you, don't resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. What are you kidding me? That must be a misprint. Turn the other cheek. Yeah, like someone slaps you and you go, thank God for that. Here, do it again. I love it. This is what Jesus is teaching. It's not a joke. We're so used to the other. And then he goes on to say, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's not from the Old Testament. That was a cultural saying of that day. Nowhere does it say God wanted us to hate our enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love the people who hate you. And the people who really have it in for you, pray for them. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Do you get it? He's saying, you want to look like your Father in heaven? I, put, I let the sun shine on the evil man's farm and the good man's farm. The rain comes down on the evil man's property and on the good man's property. I don't differentiate. I bless everyone. And if you're going to look like me and follow my teaching, that's what you need to do. You don't draw a line and say, these are the good guys and these are the bad guys. I hate the bad guys, but the good guys I like. But that's what a lot of us, that's all you, we know growing up. That's what you heard in your house growing up. That's in your culture, my culture. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors, the sinners, 
doing that? Oh, you love your family? It ain't no big thing. You're supposed to love your family. Sinners who curse God love their families. Atheists love their families. So if you love your family or you, you, you have a tendency to protect people of your race, you're into your whiteness or your blackness or your Jamaicanness or your Trinidadianness. I'm making up new words here on the fly. Or your Latinoness, whatever. And, and that, that, because those, those are my people. Well, God doesn't have any people like that. That's strange. You have people. God has everybody as his people. And he said, if you want to look like me, you don't show favoritism to anyone. You love them all the same. Am I speaking truth here? Am I reading the Bible or not? But we make it, that's the whole, that's how you hear people. They're vicious. They're nasty. They're on social media. They're toxic. Always justifying it. I speak the truth. God has raised me up for such a day to tear people down. That's strange. He raised you up to tear people down, but he's not tearing, down, tearing them down because he, he died for them on the cross. Well, let, let me get this. You and I hate people that God loves. No, 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 slow. You and I detest someone who Christ died for and God loves them right now a million more times than I love my granddaughter, Charlotte, who's going to help me at the end of the service. You hate them, though, but God loves them. Well, who are you? Who am I to hate anyone? Did God hate you when you were messing up? Look at me. Tell me, did God hate you? Did he make you his enemy? Did he say, oh, you're going to be that way? Then let me show you what I can do to you. I mean, the hypocrisy of hate is amazing for all of us. And he goes on to say, and if you greet only your own people, you know, like those are my people. That's my posse. What are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So let's get this. To look like our Father, the only test is love. And the only acid test of love is if you love your enemies. To love people who love you, that's nothing. The test of being perfect is to love those who are unlovable, who don't like you, who hate you who can't stand you, who disagree with your political positions. Think of the hate that's in this culture right now. Liberals, Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, racial, hating cops. And then people, once they get into that spirit, they hate anyone who disagrees with them, and they end up justifying these atrocious things that their group does, like, you know, cheering on the, the murder of unborn babies or perversion of sexual activity, which the Bible abhors. They're not going to say a word about it because that's my group. I'm not going to make my group look bad. I'm like, are, are you a Christian? Do you read the Bible? Do you know anything about anything? That's for me, too. Oh, we, we look the other way. Why? Because that's, those are my guys. Those are my Democrats, my Republicans, my conservatives. Justifying all kinds of stuff, but hating the other. I mean hating. So the Bible tells us here as I wrap this up, if you love those who love you, that ain't all that. If you greet only your own people, unbelievers do that. So the proof of family resemblance to God is how we react to those who are nasty to us. Because God puts up with it and loves them. And I don't know about you, I can't do that without God's grace. Can someone lift their hand with me and say, I want to be that, but I, I can't do that. Love is the only test, and the acid test of that is 
how we treat those who are against us. So when Jesus was on earth, Jerusalem was going to be his final scene. They were going to crucify him there. And he wept over Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Jerusalem, how many times I would have gathered you. No, no, Jesus, they hate you. They're going to crucify you within a week. I know, but I love them. That's the love he wants to put in you and me. Then on the cross, what did he say again? Father, forgive them. They, And who were those they? The ones putting the nails in his hands. That's another kind of love. By the way, how do you witness to someone you hate? The worst advertisements right now for Christianity and, and, and the gospel are Christians. That's the worst advertisement. Because people see through us and they go, no, you're a hater just like me. You just hate different people. How do you hate someone and then say, Barbara, you're a little demon and I can't stand you, but I'd love to share a verse with you today. For God so loved the world, everyone. Why isn't more evangelism done? And listen, leaders, political and religious, they play to hate. White ministers from before the Civil War were playing to the hatred and prejudice of the white Southerners, justifying slavery from the Bible, giving reason for their hate and their disdain of people. Black preachers do it today, left and right. They get, stir up the anger and the hatred of their black congregants. They know exactly, Latinos know better, Asians know better. We're all a mess without Jesus. We're all a mess. And the proof is, look at it, the church is shrinking right now. The Christian church is shrinking in America at a greater rate than ever before in history. I don't think it's because God has lost his power. It's because people don't want everyone in their church. I mean, all kinds of ministers during the pandemic in Florida, they have a target group. They don't want everyone. Do you get what I'm saying? They want a target group, certain ages, certain race, economic status. Well, what has that got to do with Jesus, who died on the cross for all of us? How many are happy he never hated us? He kept loving us. Just say a loud amen. <laughs> amen. So let me close here. So Paul knew, and God knew through his prophets, that Satan would have counterfeits injected with his spirit come in the church. So he addressed that. See, not everyone who comes to church and lifts their hands and goes, sweeter than the honey from the honeycomb. Sweeter than the honey from the honeycomb. Look what we have here in Galatians. The acts of the flesh, that's you and me apart from God's grace. They are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Idolatry, loving something more than God, and witchcraft going on the dark side. Idolatry, witchcraft, immorality, and next comes hatred. Discord, fussing and fighting, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, that means parties at each other, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't make me a legalist. I just read scripture to you. Anybody who practices idolatry is not going to go to heaven. 
Anyone who practices immorality and sleeps around outside of the marriage bed is not going to heaven. I don't care what they say, if they raise the dead or speak in tongues or have memorized the whole New Testament, they cannot go to heaven. The Bible says that. And anyone who practices and lives in hate will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I did not say that. It's my job to deliver it to you and to me. The proof of a new life is a new life of love. And that's why Paul says, you, you now have the spirit living inside of you, so let that spirit control you. Do not go back to the old Jim Cimbala who did what I told you all those years ago. But here's what the spirit can produce. Look, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness with people, and self-control. Against such things there's no law. Ah, but there people were going to sneak into the church like I have today. Maybe this church, certainly around the country, I know talking to pastors. So John wants to make it more clear. So he says this to the Christians. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. To the church, he's writing, to Christians who worship. You know anyone hates a brother or a sister is a murderer. Remember what Jesus said, you've heard before, don't kill. But I say, if you look at someone with, with hatred and all that, you did the murder even though you never did the murder. In God's sight, you're a murderer. Think of all the murderers who went to church today in America. They hate they hate. Don't tell me no, because I've traveled maybe as much or more than you. I mean, ministers who are haters. I'm with people who in the green room say things that I'm just taken back. Like, like, what world do you live in? What book don't you read? Like, how could you say that? Hate is so easy to fall into. Am I correct? But you're mer- Oh, John wants us to make us really sure of it. So he says this. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Whoever lives in love lives in God. Of course, if you're living in love, you must be living in God because God is love. If you're living in hate, you must be living in control by Satan because Satan is hate. No, but I'm a, I'm a Calvinist, and I go to Reformed Church. I'm Lutheran. I'm Presbyterian. I'm Baptist. I'm, I'm Pentecostal. I'm whatever. The test is one thing, love, love. Many will say in that last day, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons and prophesy? And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. You hate her. You hate her. Whoever lives, lives and God in them. And then finally, verse 20 Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. I don't know about you. I want God to baptize me in love. I don't want at the end of the day have find out like, oh, I thought it was about going to church and reading a verse once in a while, having devotions. No. It's being filled with God so that we can love one another and not hating. Christians can't be haters. If you meet a hater, they're not a Christian. Past simple, who are you to judge? I'm not judging. I don't know who you're talking about. I'm just telling you what God's word says. Haters will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So if someone hates you today, and, and it hurts, because to be hated hurts. We're all sensitive. If someone hates you Let me recommend this. First of all, feel sorry for them because they're pitiful. Their life is so narrow 
and so ignorant and such darkness that they're wasting all that energy hating you even though God loves you. Someone might hate you, but God loves you. I'd rather have them hate me and God love me than anything else in the world. Number two, think of their end. If you've got someone hating you or attacking you in some way, think how they're going to end up. I just read it to you. Pastor Simba, I mean, you, you sound like a legalist. No, I'm reading these verses. God is love. Whoever walks in love walks in God. If anyone says that they know God, love God, but they hate their brother or sister, they're a liar. Anyone who hates their brother and sister is a murderer. And John says, you know, no murderers are going to heaven. No murderers are going to heaven. We got to love. We got to love. Now, last verse. The days now are so bad. When you got drag queens teaching six-year-olds, because the Board of Ed says that's a very clever thing. Doesn't that tempt you to explode? It does me. Or maybe you got used to that. When you read about the Grammys, I hope no one here would ever watch the Grammys. But if you hear about the Grammys, that some major person who was receiving an award dressed as Satan and before the show said, we're going to get down and we're going to worship Satan together in the Grammys. And the network which aired it tweeted before the thing even began, let's get ready to worship. You think it's going to get better or you think it's going to get worse? Oh, it's going to get worse. Jesus said that. If they hated me, they will. If they rejected me, they'll reject you. But here's the catch. The days will get so evil. Look, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most of his own people will grow cold. But the one who stands firm in love to the end will be saved. Look, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will wax cold. In other words, because wickedness is going to be so up in your face and obnoxious, you're going to be so turned off by it that you're going to be tempted to say, go to hell yourself. I can't stand you, you wicked demon. And yet Christ died for that person. That's a dilemma. Don't you meet people that just set you off? Or you read things in the paper? Oh, my girlfriend cheated with another guy, so I'm going to go and shoot her. We're reading that every day now. Hate is just everywhere. And in the midst of all of that, we have to get resources from God. We have to love people, everyone. Otherwise, we can't win them to Christ. How many are with me understand what I've said so far? Just lift your hand. Is that not a battle, though? I'm telling you, it's a battle for me. I told the church this morning, 25 years ago, I had a guy come in my office and stepfather of three girls the mother was there weeping and I found so what's going on they just started coming and he had abused all three children I wanted to throw him through a window it's my natural reaction anyone touch a child are you kidding me and God had to rebuke me and say I still love him I just, am I wrong or right? Am I reading the Bible right here? When did God ever say, no, once you pass that line, I'll hate you and I'll have all my people hate you. No, it's not there. We got to keep loving, loving one another, loving the, the people who are soiled. Isn't that strange? The greatest Christian we know was one killing Christians. 
So here's a thought, not original with me. Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you. Who was the biggest persecutor of the early Christians? Who they probably, because they believed in what Jesus taught, who were all the Christians praying for the most? Paul. Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you. Did that have something to do with Jesus stopping him on the road? There were so many prayers going up. Oh, God, save Paul. No, don't pray. Save him. He's killing us. No, our master taught us pray for those who persecute you. I want that in my life. Anybody with me? I want that. As I just say it now, I realize this is impossible without the grace of God. Let's close our eyes. Oh, first of all, God, please cleanse us from hate. The people in the balcony and downstairs here, get rid of all excuses, all justification. Humble us so that we know how demonic hate is. No justification. No, you don't know my story. None of it. God, if you love people, how could I hate someone that you love when you're holy God and I'm just me? Help us, Lord. Forgive us our trespasses. I'm ashamed that I had to even tell that story, but it illustrates who I am apart from your grace, God. Nasty person. Nasty. Save us from going to church anity, going in a building and acting like that's what it's all about. No, no. By this shall all men know you're my disciples because you love one another. Help us not only to love one another. God, don't let there be division in our church. Please, Lord, save us. If someone here is divisive and a hater, get them out. Either change them or get them out. And preserve the the unity of the spirit here, Lord. It's not a white church, black church, Latin church, Asian church. This is a Jesus church, Lord. Help it to be always a Jesus church. Although we fail, we want to look like our father. Although we fail, we want to keep aiming at love, pursuing it. Thank you for loving us. No meeting today if you hadn't loved us and we provoked you. Oh, did we provoke you? Some of us here, God, heard the gospel and we were using your name in vain, cursing and saying, ah, for Christ's sake, get out of here, even though we knew better. And you didn't kill us with lightning. You were patient because you loved us. If someone's been hating on you, really being nasty to you, canceling you, attacking you, bullying you verbally somehow or whatever, ostracizing you, and you're just really struggling, oh God, I need love because otherwise I'm gonna hate back. I'm gonna strike back. I'll curse back. I don't want that. I want to be like you. If you're in a season like that, just step out of your seat and come up and stand here right around me. I'll hug you. I'll love you. And so worth some other people. You come. All of you here in the front, he loves you. He loves you. He's wrapping his arms around you now. Don't fret what others might say or do. God has the last word, the final word. We rest in your love. We rely on your love for us. And now we ask you, Lord, to let your love flow through us 
The days will become so evil that the love of most of your own people will wax cold. Not here, Lord, not here. We're going to keep loving right to the end. Do I get a witness here? We're going to love right to the end. But you have to do it through us, Lord. We don't have that kind of love. No, what we've read about today, it's too high, too impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. So make us first tender with each other, Lord. We should start the healing at home. Help us to love and appreciate. Like, Lord, when we go to get our cars at the parking lot, the person who's helping us, you love that person. Help us to relate to them that way. The waitress in the diner, the bus driver, the co-worker, you love that person. No matter how ugly they might be acting, give us your love for them so that Jesus can be revealed. No more hate. In the name of Jesus Christ, no more hate. To let it not be named in my life, Lord. Keep me from it, like from the bubonic plague, which can kill only the body. Oh, but this hatred from Satan, Lord, it destroys body and soul. Thank you that you're going to hold us in your sweet arms today, sweeter than the honey from a honeycomb. Jesus is sweeter. Get us home safely. Bless the offering. Help our church not to go behind, but go ahead. Please, God, speak to someone, some special gifts or whatever it takes. And bless my time up in the lobby mezzanine that I could meet someone and encourage them. I pray your blessing. Get us home safely and back here on Tuesday night with the New Life Ministry. Let's just give him a hand clap of praise. Come on. Come on. He's been so good. Turn around and hug a bunch of people. Come on. Everyone hug somebody. We have a nice little hug in.